Today on Abounding Grace. What's been hassling you? Things that have been troubling you? Issues at work or having your hours cut? Concerns at home? You know, the kids going sideways, money's tight, faith and been replaced with worry. Uh, you're not sure how this is going to be taken care of and you know a bill's due on Friday and you know you got to get tires for the car and you've got a mechanic shop and you need cars uh, to fix and on and on the list goes. Guys, don't ever be afraid to trust an unknown future to a well-known God. This is amazing grace. Hello again, and welcome to Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor will be along shortly as we continue our trek through Daniel. With all that we've been through as a nation this year, Pastor Ed believes this is a good time to recall the faithful, sovereign power of God. We're going to bring you a bit of a history lesson today, and we don't want you to miss this. All of these prophecies have been fulfilled, and you can be sure God is just as faithful and reliable today as he's been in the past. The Bible says, and God speaks through Ezekiel, for I am the Lord, if I say it, it will happen. <laughs> I like that. If I say it, it will happen. There will be no more delays, you rebels of Israel. I will fulfill my threat of destruction in your own lifetime. I, the sovereign Lord, there's that word again, sovereign Lord, I, the all-powerful, the all-encompassing power of God, have spoken. I like that. Mark that. If I say it, it will happen. And looking back on God's promises, again, 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 56, praise the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel just as he has promised. Listen, this is so overwhelming. Uh, even some things on my mind today. Listen, this just speaks right to my heart. Not one word has failed of all the wonderful promises he gave through his servant Moses. That's why the book of Daniel is so comforting to the Christian. It confirms our faith. It strengthens our resolve and settles our mind. So much has already been worked out that you can't deny it unless a person simply dismisses it altogether. You just can't deny it. These, I mean, right here, what we're reading, these, Alexander the Great gets, he, he conquers the known world at the time. He's discouraged by it. He's like, I can't believe it. There's nothing else more to conquer. He commits suicide, and then his kingdom is divided between four of his generals. It happened. Look it up. See. You don't even need to look it up. God said it happened, but you can look it up. And it's really not possible. One more final thought. It's not possible to have a full understanding of the Bible it's not possible to understand the true heart of God without a firm grip on eschatology. That's a fancy word for the study of end times. Eschatology. The study of end times or what we commonly call prophecy. You know, the, a quarter of the Bible is prophetic. And, in, and some, depending on how you look at it, some say over a third of the Bible is prophetic. And a quarter of it was prophetic when it was written. But it's unbelievable 
the fact that God alone can predict the future with 100% accuracy. Why? Because he's God and he's sovereign. Now, notice verse 5. The king of the south will increase in power, but one of his own officials will become more powerful than he and will rule his kingdom with great strength. Some years later, an alliance will be formed between the king of the north and the king of the south. The daughter of the king of the south will be given in marriage to the king of the north to secure the alliance, but she will lose her influence over him, and so will her father. She'll be abandoned along with all of her supporters. But when one of her relatives becomes king of the south, he will raise an army and enter the fortress of the king of the north and defeat him. Verse 8. When he returns to Egypt, he'll carry back their idols with them, along with the priceless articles of gold and silver. For some years afterward, he will leave the king of the north alone. Later, the king of the north will invade the realm of the king of the south, but will soon return to his own land. However, the sons of the kingdom of north will assemble a mighty army that will advance like a flood and carry the battle as far as the enemy's fortress. Then, in a rage, the king of the south will rally against the vast forces assembled by the king of the north and will defeat them. After the enemy army is swept away, the king of the south will be filled with pride and will execute many thousands of his enemies, but his success will be short-lived. Verse 13. A few years later, the king of the north will return with a fully equipped army far greater than before. At that time, there will be a great general uprising against the king of the south. Violent men among your own people will join them in fulfillment of this vision, but they will not succeed. Then the king of the north will come and lay siege to a fortified city and capture it. The best troops of the south will not be able to stand in the face of the onslaught. The king of the north will march onward unopposed. None will be able to stop him. He will pause in the glorious land of Israel intent on destroying it. He will make his plans to come with the might of his entire kingdom and will form an alliance with the king of the south. He'll give him a daughter in marriage in order to overthrow the kingdom from within. But his plan will fail. After this, he'll return and his attention to the coastland and conquer many cities. But a commander from another land will put an end to his insolence and cause him to retreat in shame. He will take refuge in his own fortresses, but will stumble and fall and will be seen no more. Verse 20. His successor will send out a tax collector to maintain the royal splendor. And after a very brief reign, he will die, though not from anger or in battle. Now, again, remember, this is an answer to Daniel's prayer. And the answer to Daniel's prayer was a revelation of what's to come Again, in that time period before, in the 69 weeks, uh, that time period before uh, the Great Tribulation period, that time period that happened right, right in successive kingdoms. So these are detailed prophecies of Egypt. Close to 200 years of history are contained in these verses. And the question becomes, why would God give such detailed information between this stuff between Syria and Egypt. Well, if you're a note taker, let me give you a few things, a few things to consider. Number one, the warfare between the north and the south affected Israel. Now I've already shared, what's the epicenter of God's prophetic time clock? Israel. 
So anything in the scriptures, you're going to want to do a couple things. If it's prophetic, we want to make sure where is the nation of Israel involved, number one. And then another thing with the scriptures is remember that in the volume of the book, it is written of Jesus. So as you're studying through the scriptures, we want to learn what is this saying about the coming Messiah or what is this saying about the Messiah that's come? So the scripture is all about the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you're studying prophecy, you want to remember, how does this affect Israel? Israel was right in the middle of it all, and they survived. Because Jewish survival is miraculous. You won't find any other group or any other nation that has been so dogged and so hassled and so maligned and so persecuted, even to the point of seeing the Holocaust occur. No other group has experienced so much, has been dispersed, has been held in captivity more than the Jewish people, and still they survive, and still they exist, and still they are in their homeland that was promised to them by God so many thousands of years later. Today, the Jews are returned now, not so much in the moment right now as I'm delivering this Bible study, only because the airline industry is pretty much closed down. But today, in this general time period, since, since the last 50 years, so many Jewish people are returning to their homeland. Unbelievable. If, if we didn't have the things going on in the crisis right now, in the coronavirus crisis, I, we would be able to just easily flip out what, how many planes landed in Israel today, and at least one of them would have refugees coming home. Because God is calling his people home, just like he predicted. Israel today is nine million people surrounded by a billion enemies. Unbelievable. God is detailed in showing his care and concern for Israel over the years. Number two, why would this be included? For historical accuracy. In giving us a precise historical background before it occurs of someone who is real, a real enemy of the Jews... It shows the historical accuracy one more time of the scriptures. This man, we know his name. Looking back, his name is Antiochus Epiphanes. Uh, and we see the unbelievable things that he did. Thirdly, we're shown God's track record as God. Remember, this is an answer to prayer. Like this was Daniel. This stuff was on Daniel's heart. God answered it. There are some 135 specific prophecies in this chapter. And that's a lot. And they're fulfilled to the smallest detail. We know that God is so detailed in the past. I just, I, I just want to encourage you as you're wrestling with today that you look back on the history of God in dealing with you personally so that you can be reminded of his faithfulness. I mean, God has been so good to you. We, Pastor Ian even introduced that song to us of, of the goodness of God and how we can look back and see how God has been so faithful and good. How he is got us through even some of the worst, most difficult things, that there isn't anything that God hasn't done that he said he's going to do. And what is still yet to be fulfilled, he's going to fulfill it. And here, 135 specific prophecies are given, and they're fulfilled to the smallest detail. And listen, if God has been so detailed in the past, don't you think he cares about the details of your life? I mean, you might be thinking right now, God doesn't care about me. You know, Ed, he cares more about you because, you know, you're a pastor and I'm nobody. 
No, actually, we're both nobody, and God cares for us both. It doesn't matter what we do. Even as we were learning this weekend, uh, you know, we, we often identify ourselves by what we do. But God doesn't identify us by what we do. He identifies us by who we are. You're his son and his daughter. You, you are his friend. You are his servant. You know, you're, you know, when you think of servant, like God has brought you in that place of servant to the highest level of relationship with him. He's not, so, he's not as interested in what we do as we are interested in what we do. And what's been hassling you? Things that have been troubling you. Issues at work or having your hours cut. Concerns at home. You know, the kids going sideways. Money's tight. Faith and been replaced with worry. Uh, you're not sure how this is going to be taken care of. And you know, a bill's due on Friday. And you know, you got to get tires for the car. And you've got a mechanic shop and you need cars uh, to fix. And on and on the list goes. Guys, don't ever be afraid. And I've taught a Bible study on this in, in its entirety. But please, don't ever be afraid to trust an unknown future to a well-known God. Which is why we're in his word. Which is why we read the scriptures. Which is why we ask him, God, reveal yourself to me. Speak to me. Lead me and guide me. Why? Because when we know God, we trust him. You know, when you know someone and you, you, you know them personally and they make a mistake, you're more quick to forgive because you know them. You know they didn't mean it. You know they weren't, they weren't trying to hurt you. You know and so you cut each other some slack. Well, the more you know God, the more you trust him. And I know God doesn't need to be cut any slack, but in a very real way, you need to cut God some slack. It's, it's, it's not a lack of his power or sovereignty. It's all part of his plan. And we're all going to face difficulties. So notice in verse 21, and let's close up today, in verse 21, it says, The next to come to power will be a despicable man, Antiochus Epiphanes who's not in line for royal succession. He'll slip in when last expected and take over the kingdom by flattery and intrigue. Before him, great armies will be swept away, including a covenant prince. With deceitful promises, he'll make various alliances. He'll become strong despite having only a handful of followers. Without warning, he'll enter the richest areas of the land and he'll distribute among his followers the plunder and wealth of the rich, something his predecessors had never done. He'll plot to overthrow the strongholds, but this will last for only a short while, verse 25. Then he'll stir up his courage and raise a great army against the king of the south. The king of the south will go to battle with a mighty army, but to no avail, and there'll be plots against him. His own household will cause his downfall. His army will be swept away and many will be killed. Seeking nothing but each other's harm, these kings will plot against each other at the conference table attempting to deceive each other, but it'll make no difference for the end will come at the appointed time. So a lot of space is, is reserved for these Seleucid kings. And verses 21 through 27 speak of how Antiochus IV rose to power. All of this was fulfilled in the time period between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament. Uh, those 400 years of silence. And this was Antiochus Epiphanes who in previous studies we met him earlier. Verse 28. The king of the north will then return home with great riches. 
On the way, he will set himself up against the people of the Holy Covenant, doing much damage before continuing his journey. Then at the appointed time, he will once again invade the south, but this time the result will be different. For warships and western coastlands will scare him off, and he will withdraw and return home. But he will vent his anger against the people of the Holy Covenant and reward those who forsake the covenant. His army will take over the temple fortress, pollute the sanctuary, put a stop to the daily sacrifices, and set up the sacrilegious object that causes desecration. Or you might remember this in the New King James as the abomination of desolation. He will flatter and win over those people who have violated the covenant, but the people who know their God will be strong and resist him. Wise, leader will give wise leaders will give instruction to many, but these teachers will die by fire and sword. They will be jailed and robbed. During the persecutions, little help will arrive, and many who join them will not be sincere. And some of the wise will fall victim to persecution, and in this way they will be refined and cleansed and made pure until the time of the end, for the appointed time is still to come. So he sweeps down, the Bible says, from the north, through Israel, into Egypt. Roman troops heard about it, stopped him. No more, we'll destroy you if you don't stop now. And this brought a lot of anger into his life. And he went back through Jerusalem, took his anger out on the people by bringing that desecration right into the temple. The practice of circumcision, the reading of the law, the observance of sacrifice and festivals these were all forbidden during this time on the penalty of death. And devout Jews, listen, it was so bad that devout Jews were forced to eat pig's flesh, even to offer up ritually unclean animals and to defile themselves with every kind of uncleanness and profane action, as one commentator mentions. He rededicated the Jewish temple of Teichus Epiphanes to the Greek god Zeus and he changed the sacrificial system and decided no more would lambs, goats, and rams be offered. And he only offered pigs on their brass altar. And he himself offered up the sacrifice of a pig and then took its juices and spread them throughout the temple. The event that is described here as the a sacrilegious, he set up the sacrilegious object that causes desecration is often known as the abomination of desolation. It's already happened in the past, but it also points, it also points to an event that will happen still yet in the future of a world leader that will arise in that final week of Daniel, the great tribulation period, and look an awful lot like Antiochus Epiphanes because he becomes a type of the Antichrist which will be our study next time. Amazing things that God has for us in Daniel. And, and I think that today God would have us to remember his faithful, sovereign power in our lives. God is faithful and reliable. And I know it's a lot of history. For you history buffs, you're like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> for, for those of you that aren't history buffs, it's like, whoa, wait, what? And what did he mean? And explain that and what significance? Well, remember, Israel is very important, so things that happen around Israel, very important. God already gave insight of the successive kingdoms to come. And here we see things revealed of the successive kingdoms that have come. 
and the battles that are going on with Rome and Syria and Egypt, things happening with Greece. Unbelievable, the clarity, the specific insights that God gives us in his word. So can I remind you one more time, can I encourage you as your friend, as your pastor, uh, as a Bible teacher, would you make it a point to have regular devotional, a regular devotional time in God's word every day, sometimes more than once a day, that the word of God would just get into you. Don't read it like necessarily like a student, although studying it's important. And there is time for study. But read it as a disciple and a follower of Jesus, as if you were following Jesus yourself physically, hanging on every word, wanting to grow. Because God has a word for you every day. No matter where you're at in the word, it doesn't matter. Wherever you are in God's word, that's the timing of God for you. Even as I've been in Samuel recently, just learning. Today I was reading about, uh, and I'm a little behind, so maybe you're a little behind. So I'm reading a little bit behind of my regular reading plan. So that's just where I'm at today. And I was just reminded of how David wanted to build the temple. And then Nathan came and said, go for it. Do all that's in your heart. But there's no mention of David, you know, uh, there's no mention of Nathan. David has the desire. Nathan, his friend, comes. There's no mention of of David really seeking the Lord. There's no mention of David really um, being led by the Lord. He just wants to do something great for the Lord, which is wonderful. But we know later on that David is not going to build the temple, but rather his son's going to build it. And he's going to be used to get everything ready. And what an encouragement that even when, because David's hands were hands of war, the Bible says, they were bloodied. And so even when things that we've done have caused great consequence in our life, God is still going to use us. God can still use us. And David didn't get to build the temple himself, but his son Solomon did with all that God got ready. So I wonder what God's doing in our lives to get ready for the next generation and for the next folks that come after us, the next people we're gonna meet. Everything that God is doing now is in preparation for what's up ahead because God's always on the move and, and he is revealing himself day by day in the word. So even if this was your daily devotional, if this was your daily devotional, you might need to take a, go to blueletterbible.org or take out a dictionary, a Bible dictionary, or take out a Haley's Bible handbook, which you can get for free online, Haley's Bible handbook. As you're studying it, it will help you get through some of the difficult chapters to learn about the historical significance and the prophetic insights. Don't give up on your daily devotions. Don't give up on those difficult parts of the scripture. Be encouraged that the God of prophecy in the past is the God of prophecy in the present. And everything he said he's gonna do, he's gonna, he's gonna do, and it's gonna come to pass. Well, we've been in the book of Daniel today on Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor is leading us verse by verse through the book. To hear today's study again, just visit our website at aboundinggraceradio.com. There you'll find our podcast, Pastor Ed's blog, our recent radio programs, a place to contact us, and even donate to the ministry as the Lord leads. That's aboundinggraceradio.com. Another way to grow on the go is to download our free app, Do a search for Calvary Aurora and listen to Pastor Ed when it's most convenient. 
This month, we picked out a book we think you'll enjoy. It would even make a great gift or stocking stuffer. It's The Case for Christmas by Lee Strobel. Sort of like a journalist, Lee Strobel investigates the identity of the child in the manger, focusing on the hows and whys of Christmas. It'll serve to reaffirm your faith and help seekers pursue solid answers about the first coming of Christ. We'll send it your way when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. Please remember, this radio ministry is made possible through the generous support of listeners like you. And we'd appreciate it if you'd remember us in your year-end giving to the Lord. To request the case for Christmas, please call toll-free 877-30-GRACE. And as I mentioned a moment ago, you can make a secure donation to the ministry online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Ed Taylor is the pastor of Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado, and we invite you to join us online during the Christmas season. There is a Saturday evening service at 6 and two Sunday morning services at 845 and 1045. And you can also join us Wednesdays at 7 p.m. That's the Mountain Time Zone. You can live stream at calvaryco.church. Glad you've taken time out for our study in Daniel. We'll pick up where we left off next time we get together on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.